Hello and Hi. welcome to the Creative Hub episode three. And we have the influencer. Don't, don't. You've so- already started off on the wrong foot. <laughs> Sophie Grace with us today. Oh, God. Sophie Baldwin. So embarrassing. <laughs> Please introduce yourself. Hi. Thanks for having me on. I'm Sophie. I am a business owner. Try not to use the word influencer. Entrepreneur. Entrepreneur is a good one. Entrepreneur. Preferably not like mumtrepreneur because <laughs> I feel like it's a little bit overused now. Entrepreneur, business owner. I hate the term CEO. Makes me want to puke. I do not see myself as a CEO, but I probably am. And yeah, that's that's it. One of my many hats. <laughs> so, Sophie is the CEO oh, of the Mum Collective. Just go into a little bit about what the Mum Collective is, mm-hmm. just for anyone who doesn't doesn't know. So the Mum Collective is essentially a luxury loungewear brand. So we specialise in maternity, nursing, breastfeeding, expressing loungewear for uh, motherhood. So everything from sweaters, jumpers, t-shirts, loungewear, um, and now pyjamas and some baby clothes. It's all very exciting. <laughs> so the reason that we know each other as well is because we've worked together. You on shoot all my content. On multiple occasions, and we have another shoot coming up yes. in September. Literally which, like a month. Which is exciting. I need to email people. That reminds me, actually. God. <laughs> so yes. that's for the next... Is that for this? So that will be for Christmas, mm-hmm. which I can't believe we're having to shoot Christmas content again. It feels like yesterday that we did the last campaign. Christmas, spring, summer, don't think we'll be doing autumn, which is fine. <laughs> we'll have another shoot next year. Well, that's okay because Sophie actually has three jobs. I do. As well as being full-time mum oh, and wife and... Everything in between. Everything in between. <laughs> everything that all of those titles come with. <laughs> yes, I'm so, a busy woman. Tell us a little bit about that then. So you... Yeah. Have the Mum Collective, which you yep. are the CEO of, and what else do you do? So I work <coughs> as a head of social media for an agency, which is great. Um, keeps me in the loop with all things social, and I also have my own freelance social media consultancy business, which I started five, five or six years ago. Maybe feels weird that it's like half a decade. Which just make me feel very old. <laughs> Is that where the Sophie Grace thing came into it then? Um, so I started my Instagram properly <coughs> around probably five or six years ago mm. when I was heavily into fitness. And that was when all of the fitness influencer right. rubbish was booming. And I wanted to lose a bit of weight and I was like, great, I can I can just document the journey. Mm-hmm. And if people want to follow it, bigger fool them. <laughs> <laughs> because it's really not that interesting <clears throat> watching someone work out and, you know, following along with their weight loss journey and whatever. But it gained some traction and I ended up working um, with some quite big brands, including with... Chrissy Cheller, who does Honor Active, and she does um, what was the Tone and Sculpt app. So I ended up being one of their like fitness mm-hmm. 
content creators, I guess. Right. And yeah, it spiralled from there. Got some great gym gear out of it, which is, you know, you can't complain. I think with that sort of stuff, it it resonates with people better because it it's real people. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's a real person in a real situation that, like, you would be able to connect to. I think so. And I think, you know, people... People are very quick to follow influencers that are already tiny and mm. or do the bikini competitions and all the rest because back when I started, bikini competitions weren't massively known about. Mm. And a lot of the people that did really well on Instagram were the people that were doing bikini competitions because nobody right. knew anything about it. And to follow along with someone's almost ridiculous regime of training mm. was quite interesting whereas mine was very realistic <laughs> <laughs> i will eat a pizza <laughs> midweek that's that, fine and that's not that's not a problem i eat there's plenty no of shame i no eat shame. plenty of pizzas in the week but let's move on to the mum collective because that's what we're here for that okay. is that's, that's your fine. business that's your that baby is my baby that's your baby so my second baby no Probably Third my baby. Probably my, probably my first born, though. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. I lose track. Well, that ties nicely into the start of the Mum Collective. Yes. So tell us why and how you started the business. So I, well, the why um, stems back from when I was pregnant with uh, our first little boy, who is now two. And I essentially really, really, really struggled to find clothes that I wanted to wear, which I think most mums go through when they're growing and their bodies are changing so rapidly. Um, And I kept complaining and complaining and complaining. And and finally, James, my husband, turned around and said, well, just do something about it, probably just to shut me up. (laughs) And I said, well, I... I don't fine. know. I don't. Well, yeah, fine. I'll do something I'll about do it. it. But in my head, I, you're very much in the mindset of, well, I'm I'm not a fashion designer. Mm-hmm. I've no idea how to start a fashion business. I'd had businesses previously, so starting a business wasn't really that alien. But starting a big business or something that I wanted to be a big business mm-hmm. was definitely going to be a very different process and. I remember sitting down on my sofa and being like, right, what do I need? Mm. Um, And I went out to some stationery shop, I can't remember which one, bought a sketch pad, bought some pencils and and just drew. And it escalated from there. So I did some research into suppliers. Where on earth in the world do you get clothes manufactured? Who can you team up with? Who does technical drawings for clothes? Because there's no kind of guidebook online as Mm -hmm. to how to even start a fashion brand. Yeah. So we set about speaking to different suppliers and different manufacturers um, from people in Vietnam to people in Portugal and trying to, I guess, filter through the minefield that is working with people, you know, in different time zones around the world. And then once we'd found who we wanted to work with, sampling which is a very 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 long and laborious process and I didn't realize that so when I managed to turn our first collection around in about six months people were like you should be actually proud of that because for some businesses Mm -hmm. it takes 
one, two <coughs> years to turn around a collection. I think you realise how much goes, but, but that's the thing, because you don't know what goes no. into it. When I started, I had no idea about anything. Oh my God, I was so and naive. <laughs> but it comes I can produce it. a jumper, no problem, with zips and stuff, and it's fine, but no, it's not. But it's a learning process, and everyone <laughs> yeah. starts somewhere, but it's an even better story when, you know, because if, if you knew everything about a company and you knew what to do and you just did it and it worked, there, there wouldn't be the sense of pride of that, I'm growing this company and I didn't know what I was doing, but I stuck through it. And yeah, sometimes I might have failed with a couple of things. I definitely have failed with a couple Haven't of things. We all? But I don't know. I think those are the bigger successes. Um, than yeah, I think if you haven't failed, something's amiss. Mm. I think every business owner needs to have some level of failings. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, it's. What do you actually learn? And yeah, I I agree. James said on the first one, on the first episode that we've done, that if you're not if you've not failed, then like you've just said, like is it really going as well as you think? Yeah, because if you, uh, he is right, you know, if you if you don't fail, you can't progress and make good changes and appropriate changes to your business or your business model or. You kind of take you your foot things. off the gas a little bit. Yeah. Because you think that you're coasting. I think that's when people get complacent, though. Yeah. And that's when businesses tend to go belly up mm-hmm. because they're resting on their laurels and they're just going, yeah, everything's fine. Clients are happy, customers are happy, whatever. People are buying from us, people are signing up, X, Y, Z. And then you just go, oh, oh, right. And business has really stalled. Yeah. Shit, what do we do now? What was your other question? I feel like that was a really long-winded approach to the story. No, no, no. Well, obviously you started, so you started with the sketchbook and you got, you yeah. got started going to suppliers and then you had your first collection turned around. <laughs> that's, that's absolutely fine. <laughs> that's what we do here on the, the Creative Hub. We, we backtrack because um, we go off on tangents, but it's okay. Love a tangent, <laughs> but my brain is just not clicked on, obviously. <laughs> so you turned your first collection around in six months. Yeah. Um, and then obviously that's when we got in touch because mm-hmm. you were uh, desperate wanted, for some content wanted the content for the first yeah. collection so tell us about going from that then yeah. and and how the process has been so far mad like literally insane and next question <laughs> <laughs> no so i think from from turning things around at the first shoot bearing in mind that the first shoot didn't go 100 percent to plan only because we were missing like two pieces the, in grey. It was the samples, weren't it, that came yeah. through? Yeah. So we couldn't fully shoot everything, which again is a massive learning curve. Um, just move a shoot, guys. Just move the shoot out. But fine. We did two shoots <laughs> in like two months, whatever. Um, and yeah, so we we did that shoot. We launched our kind of core pieces, uh, which are still our core pieces. And then from there... I had a bit of a brainstorm, what can we do next? Because ultimately we don't just want to turn things around super quickly because we're Mm -hmm. not a fast fashion business, we're a slow fashion business. And so we set about designing the next collection, which again, I think we probably turned around in about six months. Whereas the stuff that's launching next year has taken longer. Just because for me, for my own sanity, I need to plan a bit further in advance because fashion takes a while. So, yeah, so we then launched the the loungewear set 
that you shot at Grassfield, mm-hmm. uh, which has done really well. And that has surprisingly done really well with people that are not mums. Really? <laughs> yeah, go figure. We have an untapped market of people that just like loungewear. <laughs> Funny that. But I guess that's one of the things that I've wanted to do since day one, mm-hmm. is that we've designed things in a way that people will just want to wear it forever. Yeah. And it's not just exclusively for when you're pregnant or when you're nursing. So, yeah. So then we did that. We had another shoot. We did Christmas. I set about designing the next lot of stuff, which is just mental. Um, And then we are in the process of getting some more stuff through now. So we're getting everything for autumn winter through now. It's on its way. It's in transit. And we have also got everything for spring, summer next year, which is mad. My warehouse is not going to thank me for it. And I also need some new racking because it's not going to fit. But yeah, I think that's just because I just want to be more prepared. And that's something I've definitely learned. I mean, on the side... It's been a hard learning curve. (laughs) On the side of two other... And bearing in mind, one is a full-time job. Correct. On the side of a full-time job... Yes. And a part-time sort of freelancing as well. I mean, that's... I, I have mean, no mental capacity left. <laughs> <laughs> James is like, can we have a conversation? I'm like, no. <laughs> no I literally have no space <laughs> left in my brain today. I see four hours a night. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I've oh, got to be... Yeah, I'm like, just don't... What is sleep? Sleep is for when we die. It's <laughs> fine. I don't need sleep. So let's go, obviously, to the business side of things so let's talk about you so you've done all that in the space of two years for the mum collective yeah it's roughly about the age of my toddler so (laughs) it's like my second toddler basically luke is a twin (laughs) what was your proudest moment in business because obviously there's so much that's gone into Mm. there it's not just like you've started the business and and, you know you've got some sales and it's i wish it it was that easy (laughs) it's it's exciting yeah because obviously it was difficult Mm-hmm. very difficult yes. <laughs> so talk to us about the proudest moment that you've had I think there's been a couple of highlights that I really hang on to probably the first one was getting the first lot of samples through right. having done the sketches paid someone to do the technical drawings gone through the process with the manufacturer and then actually receiving the first samples mm-hmm. and going Four, six weeks ago, that was on a sketchbook. Yeah. That was just mind-blowing. And I remember trying the jumper on and going, wow, if people like this, we've we've nailed it. We've actually mm. done something and, you know, we should be really proud of it. I think the other one and the other standout moment for me was probably the shoot at Grassfield. Only because it was the biggest shoot today. It was the biggest venue. It took the most logistical planning. Mm-hmm. I spent... Five, six days solid steaming clothes, which is so much fun. My living room was like (laughs) something out of a movie. It was ridiculous. It was like wardrobe. It was like a wardrobe trailer from a film. And then I think just seeing everyone in action at the shoot. Mm -hmm. You know, you, MJ, who's our photographer, what we call the dream team now, which is great. And just seeing everyone in action and seeing all the models and, and everyone be really happy and there'd be no complaints about the clothes, which mm. is great. Seeing that business that you put down on paper and says, I'm I'm doing I'm doing that 
and seeing it come to life yeah. as well. I bet that was a oh, it's mad. A, a very very yeah. proud moment for you. It's like when we do pop up shops and <coughs> events and and everything, and and people say, "Oh my god, I love it! It's it's so nice, it's so soft, it's so luxurious," and you're like, "That's amazing!" Yeah. Because it just validates that the time, the money, the effort, the blood, sweat, and tears that you've put into it mm. is actually worth it. Because it. Unfortunately, it does get like that sometimes. Like, been it is, plenty it, of tears. <laughs> I think for for me, um, in like a proud moment, it's not necessarily something. And I think you'll be able to resonate with it as well. Is when I obviously because we do video. So when I worked for a company doing video, I had a manager who I'm still very very good friends with to this day, and we still meet up and things. But if I ever had a problem. I'd go to him. Mm. If if I've made a mistake, I would go to him. And I don't know how he did it, but he sorted everything. Whereas I don't have that now. No, being you a business owner is very isolating. Yeah. So, But I'm quite surprised at the resilience that you can have when, when things are tough or you have made a mistake. Yeah. And you go, you know what? I'm just going to, I'm going to suck it up and I'm going to overcome it. And I think that that's my proudest moment is when things have been tough mm. and you sort of, you go, you know what, I handled that really, really well and I was honest and I was truthful and people just respect that more. Yeah, definitely. I think that for me is just knowing how strong, I don't know how strong you can be in a situation like that. And I think especially for for yourself, there's going to be a going to have been a lot of times where it's like ah oh, and it's so stressful and especially time wise as well because work life balance is a very very big one that what's that <laughs> I don't know if you could say that does, any, does anyone really know what that is like if you're working all the time mm-hmm. you know trying to find that and the stress that can come with that as well um how do you <laughs> how do you I don't. manage your don't. work life balance that is a very good question. When you find out, will you let me know? Um, I don't know either. Um, people I, I often think I ask do. me. People <laughs> often ask me, "How do you manage everything?" Mm-hmm. I don't really ever have an answer for them. I just do. I think learning to freelance alongside working full time has taken a while because it is very much a balancing act. You have to put everything into your full-time job but then you have freelance clients that are relying on you and it does take a lot of juggling so for example Luca goes to nursery at about seven o'clock in the morning because he goes to breakfast and I will do drop off I will come back I will literally log onto my laptop quarter past seven half past seven Mm -hmm. grab some breakfast and start working and that might be Okay, I do an hour and a half of freelance stuff and then I log on and do my full-time job. I maybe don't have a lunch break. I work through my lunch, do some freelance stuff. And it is just a big juggling act. But there's come a point now where when I have freelance stuff and I'm happy to turn around and say, no, I don't have capacity. Whereas when I first started freelancing, you do so, just want to say yes to everything. And that's when you run the risk of, of just completely burning out. out. Yeah. And that's what I would say if you are wanting to start freelancing and start contracting, 
make sure you know what time in the week you can spare Mm -hmm. because you don't want to forego your full-time job and not perform at that (coughs) because for some people that pays the mortgage and the Mm -hmm. freelance stuff is just a little bit extra on the side so it is very much just a case of working out what works for you and Mm. then the mum collective just kind of has to slot in somewhere where does it slot in i don't know (laughs) (laughs) those random extra four hours i've got a 28 hour day it does it does just slot in Mm. um if I have a day that's quiet on freelancing and I get some orders in, I'll go to the warehouse and pack some stuff. Mm-hmm. If orders come in on the weekend, I take Luca with me to the warehouse. He loves the warehouse. Finds <laughs> it out just it's such a novelty at the moment. It will wear off. But I think for me, one of the reasons that I do what I do is to show him that you can achieve really good things in your life if you Mm. really put your mind to it and you really want to do it Mm. and there are obviously barriers for a lot of people to doing that but I just want to be the best role model for him Mm. I can be and my husband wants to be a kept man so you know someone's got to work (laughs) (laughs) sorry James (laughs) (laughs) I've got to work which is fine but I, I love what I do and I think if you don't really enjoy what you do and you're not really passionate about it then it won't succeed yeah i think we were i was going to mention that later um about having a family and being a business Mm -hmm. owner and you're living proof that it doesn't have to be one or the other you know you can have an amazing career and show show your little boy how hard work can get you somewhere um and i think how, like how do you juggle that though <laughs> like, because i'm still married which is great <laughs> <laughs> because one thing I, I we do a podcast for a company called gate and bar and it was so he said something in one of the episodes that i didn't really resonate with to be fair because like obviously we mentioned james who's i've met on on the shoots as well and mm-hmm. he's very supportive of what you do and i've got poppy who's very supportive of what i do but because he, he was talking about when you're setting up a business mm. and business is tough um, and it's it's really tough sometimes. Um, but when things are good, things are great and fantastic. It's really good at home. It's those situations when it isn't going so yeah. well and a business may be eating money because it, it's easily done. Yeah. If your overheads don't await for your what you're bringing in, mm-hmm. then things start to become tough. Yeah, And I think... I think it's for both of us as well that we're having a partner that's supportive because we we had a an agreement that I was going to give it a year mm-hmm. and see how it goes because Northcore wasn't a, a set thing. Mm-hmm. I just I did it on the on a on a whim. On a whim. <laughs> I did it on a whim, <laughs> and he's still here, ladies and gents. <laughs> yeah. um, so we we were going to give it a year and see how I got on, and I was just I love I loved what I was doing. It, I, I probably broke even the first year um because i thank you thank you uh podcast ended now <laughs> uh, uh, business business, com- yeah. <laughs> business complete um and then but it, it's not it's not whether because i kept seeing it as a success and a fail mm-hmm. and um poppy stepdad james was saying you've got to stop seeing it as a success or a fail if one person gets a video from you it's a success mm-hmm. 
It's whether you can make it financially viable yeah. to live the life that you want to live. And I didn't really, I wasn't really seeing it like that. But it's it's interesting how the more, the longer we've gone on in in business and the, the more that things happen and the more projects that I, I work on, the stronger, like, Poppy's influence is having on me. And if that makes, you know. She's not a director yet. No, not yet. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> she will. Time. She will be soon. Um, but I, I tend to rely on mm. on Poppy a lot more when things are not necessarily going as well. So how's James come into that? Is, with? is he okay? <laughs> <laughs> is is he okay? <laughs> no. Um, I mean, his support has been imperative since day one. Mm-hmm. He pushed me to start the business not in a negative way, um, was, you know, well behind me in investing the money that I did into it because we are bootstrapped, we don't have investors, we don't have any financial backing. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, he's just been a massive a massive part of it. And I think keeping him in the loop and keeping him involved in conversations that we have with our suppliers and and keeping him involved with what's coming up and what we're releasing and, and the progress of everything that just I hope makes him feel like he's very much part of the journey and he, and he is you know he will come to shoots and he will help me organize clothes he will get caterers to where they need to be in in the venue he will keep my toddler in check if he comes to a shoot you know it's it's the little things like that that make a huge difference because on shoot days I I sounds horrible but I can't be in mum mode mm-hmm. I have to be in business owner mode and if we don't have childcare for whatever reason and Luca has to come with us then someone else has to be there to help yeah. and you know just just those little things and having him there it makes the world of difference mm. there are evenings where I know it frustrates him if I'm busy writing emails for the web for for our um, email marketing, or I'm planning social media content, or I'm planning shoots, or I'm speaking to suppliers because our suppliers are not in the same time zone as us. You know, it's it can be challenging, yeah. but it's a case of making sure that those evenings where I have to work later that we do bath time together we do bedtime together we make sure we sit down and we have dinner together and then I will forego watching a movie for example with him yeah so he gets to watch his programs which sometimes I'm not a big fan of which is great (laughs) (laughs) gives him a little bit of freedom but you know it's you do definitely have to have someone by your side that is very understanding Mm. definitely Let's talk about potentially a negative in the business that you overcame Mm -hmm. because it's all good being very positive, but there are a lot of negatives (laughs) that go on. It's not all sunshine and rainbows, (laughs) everyone. It's not all sunshine and rainbows. (laughs) (laughs) I wish it was. (laughs) But could you tell us a a negative that you've overcame? Huge one, Mm -hmm. which really, really still riles me up to this day. So we, no, it's it's just fun filled with drama. Um, (laughs) This is going to be in the teaser. Oh yeah. So much drama, guys. Oh my God. I I, I lost everything. Uh, 
not far off. <laughs> not quite everything. So we we have a product that we do sell now, which is great. We uh, managed to turn it around to a positive. Go me. So we were liaising with a supplier in Portugal um, who were particularly big on sustainability and, and everything. And we were sucked into it. Great. Don't get sucked into anything. And we designed a specific product. Unfortunately, our normal manufacturer was not able to do this specific product because of a certain stitch, which is absolutely fine. They can't mm-hmm. do everything. So we set about liaising with this company and had some samples done, which were really good, sent the technical drawings over, all was fine. And then we got final photos through from them before they were going to go into full bulk production. And I raised a couple of queries. They said everything was fine, not to worry, blah, blah, blah. And when you're in that position you do just have to put all your trust in them because at that Mm -hmm. point they've got 50% of the money that they want from you so it's kind of like we have to just continue pushing forward and we have Mm -hmm. to just trust that everything's going to be fine um I'd raised a couple of points to them previously and specifically around like embroidery where was the embroidery because it was missing on the sample oh, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. We've got all of the notes on the technical drawings. And we got the shipment through two, three weeks later. And the products were wrong. And not just a little bit wrong, like glaringly wrong. From the technical drawings, from what I wanted them to look like. And I cried. There were a lot of tears. Because at that point, we'd paid for everything. We'd paid for the full amount. We'd paid the shipping. We'd paid the import duty. We'd paid the VAT. It was like, Mm. here's all my money to not send me what I want. And that's one of those moments where James had to go, right, what can we do to turn this around? Because we're now, we've got 200 products that you don't feel like you want to sell. Mm -hmm. But there's nothing wrong with them. To look at them, to wear them, there was absolutely nothing wrong with them. They were fit for purpose but, as far as that's concerned. But it's just not what you wanted. But it wasn't exactly what we wanted. It wasn't what was on the technical drawing. So I emailed the supplier and said, WTF, something has gone amiss here because you have all the, the technical docs. Yeah. You have everything you need. You've never queried anything. You said everything was fine. I've paid you all this money and now I can't sell them. And I was ghosted. So we've never used them again, obviously. So so, so that didn't, they no, didn't... No, they never responded, which is great. It's not what you need when you've given someone nearly five grand. So I sat down and I said, right, we need to think of a plan because I can't be sat on all this stock and not sell it because I can't, I can't afford that's, you know, that's my money. I can't afford just to lose it. Mm -hmm. So we slightly tweaked the product description. We shot it and we are selling said product and it's getting sold. People are buying it. Right. So for me, it was just the, the realisation that 
you can't trust everybody and developing relationships with manufacturers is so important like beyond what I thought it would be Mm. and choosing the right manufacturer is just you know it underpins any fashion business Mm. so yeah I think that was my drama last year (laughs) I think when you you can be in business in different ways because like you said you don't have any investors and neither do we but you know when you talk about like business growth as well you can you can go at it from a couple of different ways. You can get investors in and get money through the door or you can get loans mm-hmm. and you can get all that sort of stuff. But when it's your own money... Oh, it's it was heartbreaking to open that box and go, what on earth has happened? Like, where mm-hmm. in the communication has this gone so wrong? Mm. And I think because you've spent ages drawing everything, you know, I had paid to have the technical drawings done because I'm not I'm not a designer I don't do technical documents and I wanted to make sure <coughs> for everything that everything had what it needed stitching you know someone who's been in fashion has done all of this so that's great what you wanted you wanted that yeah <laughs> what you sent <laughs> you wanted that it, yes. it's pretty simple <laughs> I mean you'd think it would be pretty you simple would think however to, to be ghosted though it, oh yeah that would have just made me so mad i'd have flown wherever to portugal I'd, I'd just fly yeah, to portugal and, <laughs> and knock on the door and say you. Um, excuse me <laughs> take these back <laughs> and give me what i wanted i mean i wish i could have done and in the moment you do definitely think god i could absolutely just die but i think it's that like you were saying about the resilience and mm being able to turn it into something that was positive and actually it's now a standout feature on this product and people still buy it and they love it and we get really good compliments about it. So, I, you know, it's difficult to look back and go, God, I absolutely lost my mind then. Yeah. But actually, there's nothing wrong with the product. I th- but well, in my head there is. <laughs> Well, no. It, well, like you say, it's being honest as well, though, isn't it? Because you, yeah. as you say, you tweak the description of what it's going to be. It wasn't. I'm not telling you all what it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was this. This is the. This is what you said it was, and then they get it different. You know, they get a different product as mm-hmm. well. You was honest about it, and I think being, you know, that honesty and transparency makes you. Uh, respect you know respected with Better your human being well yeah and respected with the people who want your products and then the next time they need a product mm. that you sell they're like right or the next time they get see an email that says oh new collection coming they're going to be like right because it again people say it a lot don't you but people buy from people yeah you know and if yeah. you have that person if you have that personal side to your business and you're honest and transparent with your customers then they're going to come back. It's it's simple, really. Yeah. Business. But that was a huge... Yeah, no, hashtag business. It's business, business it's simple. Business. God. But yeah, that was the biggest challenge. But you Negative. Over, but you overcome it, like you say. To. and Could not afford to swallow that much money. I think my pride would have taken a really big hit. <laughs> You'll find me in a box on the street. In that box. In that box. <laughs> With the clothes. swimming in them. <laughs> So, where do you want to be in five years' time? In a mansion. No, I'm joking. Um, I love my house. I don't want to move again. (laughs) 
I, God, five years, five years. Well, I'll be a mum of two. God help me. I think five years for me, I can't say I'd like to have a shop anytime soon because I think that there's as much as we keep getting asked and I would love to, I think the pop-ups for us are working really well at the moment. I think five years, I don't know. It is a really good question because I've not, even though we're planning like a year in advance, I've probably not looked that far because I'm in this little bubble of it's going really well at the minute and I'm just enjoying that's, it for what it is. That's not a bad, that's not a bad thing either because I, I work with a mentor and I think it was probably about a month ago now um, and we was we was at the the motorist store that are Naj in Sherwood, and I was oh Sherbourne sorry, and um, I kept talking about like five years time. I was like, I want to be a team. I want to get a big office, and I want to do this and that. And he's like, Okay, that, that's you know that's good. But tell me about like who you're working with now. And I was like, I spent like twenty minutes just saying what I wanted for the future. Mm. And he was like, Tell me about now. Like who are you working with? And I was working with a big. Um, plastic distributor at the time in the like the biggest in the UK and he was like well that's very exciting like that's a very big company to be working with and I was like yeah it is and he's like and you've got the office it's like yeah yeah and yeah I mean you do ha- you have to <laughs> <laughs> you have to try and celebrate what's going on now like yeah. we've we've just been asked to go into John Lewis in Leeds to do a pop-up in October you kept that quiet I know I'm sorry I thought I'd announce it on here um exclusive <laughs> we've not announced it on social media yet because we still need to sign all the paperwork and everything but just to be asked to be part of their they do like a big baby event a couple of times a year mm-hmm. and they specifically requested for us to be there which is huge and that in itself that type of event brings a lot of footfall and will bring just a lot of new eyes onto what we do and it's stuff like that and like we're up for a couple of awards again which is really good and we've just won luxury uh luxury maternity and nursing brand of the year 2023 which was a huge shock so i think for me it's just about celebrating the little wins now and, um, and hoping that the, the foundation that we're building at the moment mm. is going to put us in really good stead in five years. In five years' time, I still want to be here. That's what I want. I just want the brand to still be going, for us to be just doing what we're doing and doing what we love to do, and that's just producing really good quality loungewear at a price that people can afford in a way that's sustainable and healthy. There you go. Just like thought of that on the spot. <laughs> I'm gonna frame that and put it in the office. <laughs> I'll I'll make you a little video. I do. Great, thank you. This is what I want. So we'll put it on the website. <laughs> so last question. Yeah. I feel like that should have that that was like an ending, wasn't it? To a, to the podcast. But, um, that that was a bit before. But if you could go back, knowing what you know now, mm-hmm. to when you started, what would you change, if anything? Um. And it's not a trick question either. It's not like you need to say something because personally I wouldn't change anything. Yeah, I don't know if I would. Yeah. I think everything that we've done up to this point 
has made us the business we are today. Mm-hmm. Every mistake, every <coughs> positive, every failure, every hurdle has put us where we are now. And I think if those failures hadn't happened and and like the issue with the product last year, we wouldn't be even more cautious now. We wouldn't be putting even more detail on our product technical sheets. And that's only set us up in a really good stead in that we don't mm. have to have as many samples now in the sampling process, which is great. Um, so yeah, I don't think I'd change anything. I'd maybe give myself a bigger warehouse, but I can't afford one right now. But yeah, no, there's you know there's certain things that we've we've thought about doing, like do we like you were saying about getting investors and stuff. But I think at the moment, I like having full control over what we do, what we produce, and not having to say. Like God, the awesome. the issue last year would have been an absolute nightmare to have to try and explain to an investor. Yeah, hi, your money's gone, and we've got this product, and it's not right. Mm. Um, whereas I just had to cry into a cup of coffee instead. Well, I think as well because you're your own business and you're doing it yourself. It's the one thing I don't miss about being employed is trying something. Mm-hmm. I really don't miss it. Not that it was. Not that it ever really happened, but like there could be certain things that I try with not like this, like the podcast. You know, I just wanted to try it. Mm. it. It's I find it better when I'm speaking to different people, and I wanted to spread a bit of positivity in business and and use it as a bit of a platform that you know people can go and listen and and get to know me as well as because like I was saying before, people buy from people. Mm-hmm. But if you're employed by someone, then you need to kind of run it by someone or you know but there's nothing wrong with trying something and it failing and going right okay that's fine I'm just gonna do something else oh, no, absolutely. I'll just do something else but I think if you if you have a passion and you want to give it a go go for it absolutely go for it and like you said if it fails and it doesn't go the way you planned at least you're not going to look back in 10 years time and go what if what if I gave it a go Mm. where would I be now and you're looking 10 years time and say I've got my mansion and I've got a big my <laughs> nice my big warehouse mansion, my 10 kids at a huge warehouse and James is a kept man <laughs> watching there all the programs watching all the programs that he wants <laughs> you know swings and roundabouts we come but hope well thank you for coming on Pleasure. um thanks for having me I think we're going to be working together for a long time. Probably a very long, a long time. <laughs> At least five years. But I've told you my five year goal now, so you're here for the next five right, so years. So I need to get you a mansion. <laughs> no stress. <laughs> and a big oh, warehouse. Yeah, <laughs> a big, big warehouse. warehouse. Well, as I say, thank you for coming on. Um, from working with you last year to going to work with you now, mm-hmm. you can see the growth in the Mum oh, Collective, thanks. which is exciting to be a part of as well. Uh, hashtag Dream Team. Um, <laughs> um, it's exciting to be a part of but obviously we'll put a description and things down in in the description but if you want to tell people where they can find you this all feels very to, formal now to the yeah we are to a formal part to, to this camera right to the there camera. to the camera so you can find us at www.themumcollective.co.uk uh, we're all over social media uh, at the mum collective with two eyes because sadly one eye was taken Michael will put it down in the description. Uh, so yeah, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, sadly, website, TikTok's a minefield. That's a story for another day. Uh, and yeah, LinkedIn, which is an interesting one. 
LinkedIn is very interesting. Love LinkedIn. And my whole life. I don't, yes, all I the major social platforms. I don't utilise it as much as I should. Bigger I try to. Bigger for you. Get on it. I try to. The podcast's on it. Yeah. That's on it like in the last <laughs> couple of weeks, huh? That's why I've seen you loads <laughs> floating around. I need to keep doing it then, don't I? Yes, you do. I knew you some tips. Thank you. Well, we're off to go work on some tips anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, thank you for coming on. It's been an absolute pleasure. And yeah, we'll see you on the next one. Over and out.